Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. What is going to happen to you when you die? My wife knows that when I die, I am to be cremated, and that my cremains are to be taken to three locations. First, she and the kids can choose a spot, some spot to place some of the ashes where they can return from time to time and share memories and place flowers. Second, I would like for her to scatter some in Lemon Stream, which runs through the summer camp that I grew up going to since I was eight years old and where she and I fell in love and where we were married. And finally, I would like for her to get front row seats on the green monster at Fenway Park. And when they play Take Me Out to the Ball Game, I want her to send some part of me out onto that ball field and know that I'm happy. What is going to happen to you when you die? Have you talked to the people that you love about that? There was one time when I officiated a brief memorial service right here at the Kirk Columbarium for a beloved member. And in a passing moment, before we shuffled out here to the niche, I asked his wife how she was holding up, and she shared with me that she was hoping that she made the right decision to have her husband cremated. It was what he wanted, she told me. And so often, that is all we have to go on because we don't know what's going to happen to us when we die. Today, during communion, we will read the names of all of those that have gone all the way home in the past year. Some will have been buried, others cremated. But what? What really happened to them? What will happen to us It is a question we might try to avoid for as long as we can. In the introduction to his book, Being Mortal, Atul Gawande tells this story of a man named Lazarov, which makes me think of Lazarus, who demanded that his doctors press forward with a risky surgery to save his life, even though that surgery would almost certainly end poorly for him. Don't give up on me, Lazarov told the doctors. You, you give me every chance I've got. And then Gawande reports, he was pursuing little more than a fantasy at the risk of a prolonged and terrible death, which was precisely what he got. Now, more than a decade after I first told Mr. Lazaroff's story, Gawande says, what strikes me most is not how bad his decision was, but how much we all avoided talking honestly about the choice before. We could never bring ourselves to discuss the larger truth about his condition. 
or the ultimate limits of our capabilities, let alone what might matter most to him as he neared the end of his life. What will happen to us when we die? It is a question we might try to avoid for as long as we can. Now, on the other hand, I can remember visiting a woman in the hospital while I was still in seminary training, and she'd received a difficult diagnosis and prognosis, maybe one like Lazarov's, and she told me that she would not be moving forward with her treatment. She had tried for long enough, and she seemed so at peace in telling me. And I was flummoxed. I mean, how could she make that choice? How could she make that choice in the face of death? How does anyone do it? How does anyone face the end? I mean, is it faith? In the passage that immediately precedes today's text, the author of Hebrews elevates the faithful of our tradition. It's a beautiful litany. By faith, the author says, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out. And by faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, offered up Isaac. And by faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth. And by faith, he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. And then our narrator goes on there in Hebrews, for time would, would fail Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms and administered justice, obtained promises and shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war and put foreign enemies to flight. So maybe it's faith. I and mean, maybe for some, there is so much faith embedded in their bones, planted there by the fortunate mixture of the Holy Spirit and, and fantastic Sunday school teachers and preachers. But most of us, we don't have the faith. I mean, let's face it. We don't have the faith of Abel or Abraham or Moses or any of those great judges. If we're honest. And so for us, we need the next section of Hebrews. We, we need chapter 12 because chapter 12 begins with that little word, therefore. Therefore. Therefore is the word that tugs the rest of us along. From chapter 11 into chapter 12, it tugs us along into the impossibility of facing whatever it is we have to face. Therefore, because of them, because of their faith, because of the ones that have gone on before, this great cloud of witnesses that bears witness to who we are and how we are doing. Therefore, because of them, you and I, we can can go about this life with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, even when we face the very worst parts of our lives, even as we come up against trouble, even as we face 
our own death, we can because of that cloud. It makes me think of what makes us human in the first place. The, the anthropologist Margaret Mead said that the first sign of civilization in an ancient culture was a femur, a thigh bone, that had been broken and then healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run from danger, can't get to the river for a drink or hunt for food. You are meat for prowling beasts. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for that bone to heal. A broken femur that is, that is healed is evidence that someone has stopped. That someone has stopped. Has taken the time to stay with the one who fell and who bound up that wound and carried that person to safety and has tended that person through recovery, helping someone else. Helping someone else. Helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts. So be civilized. Be civilized. It is beautiful, I think, that the best advice for us in, in election week comes from 40 or 50,000 years ago when humans first became humans, when they stopped for one another. Be civilized. Other animals don't do that. They don't stop. Other animals leave the limping behind. Humans, real humans, stop. We became human, truly human, when we stopped, when we stopped for one another. And this is how I think of all those that have gone on before, that, that cloud of witnesses. That's how I think of them. They have stopped. They have not left us behind. They have stopped. For those of us that keep limping along, they've stopped. That friend that you lost this year is there with Moses as one of the cloud. Stopped to encourage you on to do what is left here to be done. The parent or grandparent that you're doing everything you can to remember. They didn't leave you behind. They've simply stopped as one of the cloud that therefore we might press on in faith. That spouse that you plan the service for, the brother or sister or child that you let go, they've stopped to be part of the surrounding ones. They've stopped and they can see how much we have to do. They can see the way that we need to move forward in this life of fixing our eyes on Jesus and of fixing our society of its deep sadness and of fixing our nation of its growing divisions. By being human, like when we were first human, by stopping for one another. Those in the cloud, they can see that way forward for us. And they're not going anywhere. That is what happens when we die. We stop. We don't know when that day will come. We don't know what year 
we will have our names moved to the All Saints Bulletin insert. But as one preacher said, God's clock keeps perfect time. And when that clock chimes for us, what will happen? What is going to happen when we die? We stop. Whether the casket is lowered in the ground or the ashes are sealed in a niche or illegally tossed onto a baseball field, there comes a time when there's, when there's nothing left for us to do. And so we stop. You are going to stop. And you're going to be joined with those who have stopped. And you're going to be included in the cloud of witnesses that have already stopped to do the good work of keeping an eye out for those that are still here, limping along. And in that stopping, you're going to be more human than you have ever been on this side of heaven. You're going to be made well. Amen.